Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. I'm back, baby. Thank God. Back. I- Back from the dead. I get to take a break. I don't have to uh, talk for, uh, you know, 30 minutes straight. Listen, I think you did a bang-up job covering for me on three straight episodes while I was sick in bed with some sort of bronchitis-type gimmick. I don't know what it was that I was dealing with, but it was awful. It was like some sort of bacterial infection, and I was like... In bed, I couldn't hardly talk. I could for a couple days. I literally could not get out of bed. It was it was a bad look. But then I went to the doctor, and the doctor, you know, the doctor prescribed me a Z pack. You ever had a Z pack before? Uh, no. It's a antibiotic, and it uh, has pretty much knocked whatever this thing was out of my system. I still have a, um, excuse me, a lingering cough here that usually is not that bad, but sometimes I go into a a brief attack. So if I have a meltdown here in the middle of the show, it's just, it's a little bit of a, you know, the remnants of whatever it was that I was dealing with. But the Z-Pack is great. The Z-Pack is wonderful. Knocked the whole, knocked all the symptoms out. There's only one problem with the Z-Pack and it's that it has given me the most unholy flatulence. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I've never experienced anything like this before. I I feel like, I don't know. It's it's like, you know, you'd just be sitting there and then suddenly it it's like somebody ripped a bed sheet in half. <laughs> and it's just... It's, and that's not the worst of it. The, you know, the worst of it is that it's, you know, it's it's not good to breathe. You know, it's so bad you would think I was the Miami Dolphins offensive line. That's pretty bad. It's it's pretty terrible. But, you know, other than that little side effect, the Z-Pack has, uh, the Z-Pack <laughs> has really done a, a good job curing me of, of my ailments here. Well, it's good to have you back, and it's good to have your flatulence back. Yeah, it's good. It's like I'm, super-powered. I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that we don't have to record this in the same room. So if you cut one, uh, you know, I don't have to be uh, suffering through it. Listen, I'm going to be able to keep myself under control, I would I would hope, for the purposes of, of the podcast here. Although it, it might work out for comedic effect if, you know, if the timing is right. At some point here. So, Josh, what's your prediction for the Dolphins-Bengals game? And then, you know. Oh, I was waiting for, I, I thought you were going to do it. You thought, I was, you thought I was uh, cooking something up there. Yeah, like, Josh, what are your thoughts on Taco Charlton? Well, I think he had a terrible game against the Giants. Oh, I, that's, yeah, I thought you were just going to, you know. Thought you were well, you can't listen, out. you can't force it. No, you that can't do it bad. right now. It wouldn't be funny. We got mm-hmm. this is 
the most off-the-rails episode of the same old Dolphin <laughs> show that we've had in some time since we did you- that episode when I was drunk the one time. Were we both drunk? I it's had possible. One, but- it was... There was, a, I, was I, I say the one time. There was a couple of episodes of this show where things were um, pretty lit, as the kids say. Lit AF. It was, it was in fact, lit AF. So um, I guess we should talk about the Dolphins a little bit here. They got a big game, Tua Bowl 2 coming up. Is it the Tua Bowl? Is it the Burrow Bowl? Yeah, I guess this is more the Burrow Bowl because... Earlier in the season, it was the Tua Bowl. Now it's probably more aptly the Burrow Bowl. And quite frankly, a lot is going to need to happen for the Dolphins to be able to be in a position to get Joe Burrow. And for them to be able to get in that position, that means they need to be drafting first overall. And their two games, (coughs) excuse me, see, there it is. They're two games behind Cincinnati right now with two games left to play. So what the Dolphins need is to lose to Cincinnati on Sunday and then lose to New England in New England the following week, which that shouldn't be a problem. And then, But the, the trick is that they need Cincinnati to beat the Browns in Cincinnati on the final day of the season. And I think if there's one thing that maybe Dolphins fans can hang their hopes on is that the Bengals seem to be one of those teams that is just as bad at doing what you want them to do as the Dolphins. So Bengals fans are probably hoping that the, the Bengals will lose one of these final two games and wrap up the number one pick. But they're the Bengals. Andy Dalton is back in at quarterback. So who's to say they won't beat the Dolphins and then beat the Browns? Which would be amazing. but And then, of course, the Dolphins would probably do something stupid like win in Foxborough or something like that. Oh, geez. Find that very hard to believe. But you never know. I mean, they are the same old Dolphins after all. Are they not? It is the name of the show. It is, in fact, the name of the show. Do we do we want to get into these tankathon standings? I, I sort of at – at, you talked about it on the last episode and I put a little clip at the beginning of the show because the standings had updated the strength of schedule – had sort of fluctuated a little bit after the Cowboys ended up defeating the Rams on Sunday night last week. But as it stands right now, Cincinnati at the top of the tankathon at one and 13, then we got a three-way tie between the Giants, <coughs> excuse me, Giants, Dolphins, and Redskins. Currently, the Redskins have a .493 strength of schedule, so they're in the four spot. Miami's at .491 in the three spot, and the Giants are at .73 in the two spot. As you mentioned, the ideal result for the Dolphins on Sunday would be that the Dolphins lose to Cincinnati and the Giants and Redskins tie, because then that would leave the Dolphins as, uh, assuming the Dolphins lose, that would put the Dolphins as the clear number two draft pick. Now, what happens is if the Dolphins lose and either the Giants or Redskins win, that's where it gets a little tricky. How, how can you explain this to the people here, Bryn? As far as what? Tiebreakers and the yeah, strength as far of as schedule? What, is it, what does thing? this look like? Like Because presumably if the Dolphins lose and the let's say the Giants defeat the Redskins, that leaves 
the Dolphins and Redskins at the same record, but presumably the Redskins' strength of schedule is going to go up from 493. Technically, the Dolphins' strength of schedule would go up from 491. So where does that leave us? I, I would say what you want is you'd want the Redskins to beat the Giants because then the Giants' strength of schedule would go up by the Redskins winning and the Redskins would then have a win over us. So we'd be tied with the Giants and our strength of schedules would be getting closer. And then you would hope that the Giants would somehow be able to pull out a victory in the final game of the season. Maybe, uh, I, I believe they play the Cowboys to finish the season, correct? Yeah, I believe that's accurate. So so if the Cowboys should happen to have the division wrapped up going into the final game of the season. So if they win and well, the Cowboys are playing the Eagles this week, actually. And I, if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, they win the division because they already beat the Eagles once this year. And then they'd have the division wrapped up. So that would mean that the Cowboys would go into the final game of the season with nothing to play for and would make them a far more beatable team because you would think at that point you're going to rest Dak, you're going to rest Zeke, you're going to rest all of your important players, and then you, you've you got a, a decent chance that the Giants will beat them in the final game of the season. And the Giants, while they, you know, they certainly want the best draft pick that they can get, they seem pretty content with Daniel Jones at quarterback. So I don't think they've got like – you know, they're not really in a tank mode right now. They're trying to get better as the season goes on, and they're trying to win a couple of games. So, you know, the best case scenario would be the the Redskins beat the Giants, and then the Giants end up beating the Cowboys, and then uh, the Dolphins lose out, and then, you know, we just need the Bengals to to somehow beat the Browns, and and there you have it. Uh, of course, if the Giants and Redskins should do the unthinkable and tie, that would be the best case scenario because then uh, if the Dolphins lose out, they'll finish ahead of both of them or behind both of them ahead, whichever way you want to look at it. And then again, it just comes down to whether or not uh, the Bengals can beat the Browns. But we'd be ahead of both of them if if they could just tie, which obviously is probably not going to happen. But stranger so in order things have for- the Dolphins to have a weaker strength of schedule, and that's what you want to improve in the tankathon standings. So, do you prefer that the Jets lose to Pittsburgh on Sunday, or are you cheering for the Jets to potentially beat Pittsburgh so that there is also this outside shot that the Tennessee Titans could catch Pittsburgh? for that uh, that other wild card spot in the AFC. Look, I mean, yeah, yeah we played the Jets twice. This is the crap that we're cheering for here. We're still watching the, the scoreboard just for the wrong reasons here. I mean, you play the Jets twice, so obviously uh, the, the better the Jets do, the better our strength of schedule is. So in that, from that perspective, you know, the Jets losing would be better than the Steelers losing. But remember, we also have the Steelers draft pick. So I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's so convoluted when you look at the strength of schedule. When you're 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 talking about you're, you're talking about thousands of percentage points right now. 
So what you're <laughs> saying, so what you're saying is that rather than focusing on all of this stuff that's happening on the fringes, all these other football games, that the place for us to focus is on the Dolphins taking on dirty Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals. Is that what our, our focus should be? That's right. Well then, that's that's where that's where it should that's where it should lie because at the end of the day, if we beat the Bengals, we've got no shot at the number one pick, and at that point, uh, we're severely uh, we're, we're severely hurting our chances of even getting a top five pick. Well, I'd say, <coughs> excuse me, even if the Dolphins beat Cincinnati, it would put us at four and eleven. Um, that we would still be. We would still be at the very least the at worst case scenario we would be in the five spot. That's the worst case scenario. Is that we'd be four, after this week. After this week, we'd be four and eleven. That would be the worst case scenario. So if we beat Cincinnati, that that you know, we'd would drop down at five. It it's difficult to see the Dolphins falling out of the top five picks at this point in time. Just because it seems unlikely that they're going to win both of their final two games. I'd agree with that. So it's at this point, if the Dolphins beat Cincinnati, that puts us at four and 11, uh, which is, would be at a tie with one of the giants or Washington. Most likely if, if it's the giants or rather, if it's Washington that wins that game, I, I'm not sure. Again, it's the strength of schedule thing. So we would be three or four there. Um, but then you've got Detroit, who is three, ten, and one. And if Detroit were to lose uh, on Sunday as well, and let's see who they're taking on. They're at Denver, and then they've got a game against Green Bay. So Detroit so, I mean, at Denver, make that's a very losable game for the Lions. So if the Lions were to lose, that would put them at 3-11-1, which would put them in a higher draft position than the Dolphins. So uh, it would put them in a higher draft position than the Dolphins and the winner of the Giants-Washington game. So you'd be really looking at Cincinnati 1, the loser of the Giants-Washington game 2, and then Detroit three, followed by the Dolphins in the Washington game at four and five. So, you know, we're we're not moving. We're not talking about huge movement here, but we're we're talking about a situation where where a loss puts you in very good position to end up with the number two pick pick with an outside shot at still getting the number one pick. A win puts you at four or five and in with a very good chance of sort of remaining there. Um, and so then it becomes a conversation about who do you want in that spot? There's a lot of conversation recently about Tua Tungavailoa dropping out of the top five, possibly dropping out of the top 10. Would the Dolphins let that slip? I don't know. There's a whole other conversation about do you take, if you end up with the number two pick, do you draft Chase Young in that position? Or do you, you know, listen, we didn't tank this season to draft an edge rusher. But anyway, that's a conversation that we'll have once we figure out where the draft position is. So that's just to give you a sense of where we're looking as far as what the draft order looks like. About in, all, in, in all likelihood, we're going to pick somewhere between picks two and five. 
yes, it seems it seems most likely that that is the scenario. I mean, there are there are scenarios out there where the Dolphins could potentially drop much further in the draft, um, but it's going to take a lot of wacky stuff happening for for the Dolphins to fall that far. So, as you said, between two and five seems most likely at this point, which I think is means that the Dolphins would have done almost exactly what you they were sort of looking to do this year. And and frankly, regardless of where they end up drafting, if with their first pick in the draft, they take somebody who ends up being the franchise quarterback, then this season will have served exactly the purpose it was supposed to. And then I think, as we've sort of been saying all season long, this is just an extended preseason for 2020 when it comes to player um, evaluation and things like that. So, well, because you brought it up, <laughs> not to not to completely go away from this being a preview show and talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, but because you brought it up, you said that if the Dolphins take a quarterback and it ends up being a franchise quarterback, then this season was a was a success. Are you saying that this season is a failure? If we don't come out of this draft with our franchise quarterback, not necessarily. I think, I think it's a lot easier to say that if we do get our franchise quarterback out of this draft, then the season was a success. I think if we don't get our franchise quarterback this season, then the water is significantly murkier. Because it, I agree, it, 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 it's, because you can't say that this season was not a success if we don't end up with a franchise quarterback, because we may and in all likelihood will end up addressing a lot of other needs and finding uh, and improving other areas of this team. But I, I think and then we could very well end up finding our quarterback next year, which means that this season will have been a step towards fixing that problem next year. So therefore this season is technically still a success where you get into this season being a failure is if we get, if we end up a few years down the line and this team still doesn't have a franchise quarterback. I mean, right. it's it just, it's just, it's hard to get that franchise quarterback. And the best way to get that franchise quarterback is to get the number one pick. And that's why you tank and, and blah, 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 blah. But like, if we don't have the number one pick, hell, even if we do have the number one pick, are you necessarily going to know that you've got the franchise quarterback next season anyway? I mean, you might think that you do, but do you really know? Yeah, I don't know how you say that. But as far as, look, they got to get it right. It's not a matter of you're going to get it right this year, you know, or or bust. But you got to get it right and you got to make the right move. And if you're sitting there at number, you know, let's say Joe Burrow goes number one, the Dolphins don't get the number one pick. He goes to Cincinnati and the Dolphins end up with the number two pick. Do you take Tua? I mean, what if Tua doesn't even come out? Then do, do you take Justin Herbert? Because I'm not taking Justin Herbert number two. I mean, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Because they, like, if they're evaluating Justin Herbert and their evaluation says this guy is a franchise quarterback, then it doesn't matter if you think Justin Herbert should go second overall or should go 20th overall. Because either way, if you're saying this guy's a franchise quarterback, then you take him. 
And if he's your franchise quarterback, great. You got it. You're done. You know, obviously we won't know that in his first year, but you, you feel confident in it and then you feel good and you move on and you address everything else. And then you say, okay, everything's great. But if you do that and you draft Justin Herbert and then Justin Herbert is not the franchise quarterback that you thought he was. Well, then you're right back in the same situation that you've been in. So it's not necessarily about getting the quarterback this year. It's just about getting it right at some point, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, so, you know, if I'm sitting in the number two pick and I don't believe that Justin Herbert is a franchise quarterback, now you're now you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, well, do you take Chase Young at number two? I mean, one, you got to do the whole mental gymnastics of does is does, is Chase Young even a fit for our defense? I mean, he's a great prospect and probably a great player and will probably fit into just about anybody's defense, but is he the ideal fit for the Dolphins defense? And secondly, is he worth that pick compared to other options that you might have? Because if you're sitting at number two and then the Giants are at number three, the Redskins are at number four, and you have all these teams that are foaming at the mouth, to take Chase Young, hello, let's trade down and let's see what we can get because maybe we can get a first rounder for next year's draft because we already got two. We've got our pick and we've got Houston's pick next year. Let's get a third first rounder for next year and maybe we can parlay that into moving up to get whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or, you know, possibly to a Tua, or possibly <laughs> to a Tonga Vailoa. Um, you put yourself in a, in a situation where maybe you've got some prospects that you feel like, uh, you are more willing to trade up for. And then you, and, and, and if you're not going to do that, well, then maybe you have to start thinking about, you know, let's say Tua doesn't come out. What do you got to do to trade up to get to the number one pick? to get Joe Burrow because the Bengals look, I'm sure the Bengals, if they get the number one pick are going to want to take Joe Burrow, but it's not like the Bengals are also, you know, look, they're the worst team in the league right now for a reason. And they play in Cincinnati, which is in Ohio. There's probably a pretty good contingent of Bengals fans and Bengal and people in the Bengals front office that feel like Chase Young would be a great fit for them. And if they could trade down and pick up multiple first-round picks and come away with Chase Young, I'm sure they'd be thrilled with it. And if you're the Dolphins, you're just you're in a position where you're saying, look, this whole the whole point of this season and acquiring all these draft picks was to make sure that you get your quarterback. Well, get your quarterback by any means necessary if you're sold on Joe Burrow and you don't have a Tua to fall back on and you're not sold on Justin Herbert. Yes, you'd, in a perfect world, you'd like to not give up a bunch of picks and still get your quarterback. But at the end of the day, get your quarterback. So it, it it's not out of the out of the realm of possibility that the Dolphins could be considering trading up, even if it's only one spot to get yeah, I, listen. Uh, Joe Burrow. I'm not holding my breath on the Bengals giving up that first pick for Joe for Joe Burrow. Uh, listen, they may they may have high hopes uh, for Chase Young and they may really like him, but that that is an organization that has mo- is moving on from Andy Dalton. The quarterback that they have, their backup quarterback is no good. 
that is a team that is looking to draft Joe Burrow. It is the perfect fit for them. I don't know. I don't see any scenario short of literally selling the farm to Cincinnati where the Bengals move off of Joe Burrow if they're in the number one spot. Just I mean, don't I could see, see I could see them saying, okay, well, like, like you know, we give them uh, the, the two other first round picks that we have this year and one of our Which are shaping ra- up to not be that great of first round picks but you're but they're also they're moving down one spot in this scenario or two spots to whatever and we're giving them two more first round picks probably have to give them a first next year and then and and that, that's probably it maybe you have to throw in a a second or a third but then they could use those picks to move back up to get Justin Herbert or whoever, whatever quarterback. And they could be sitting there and saying, we got Chase Young and Justin Herbert. That's a pretty damn good first day of the draft and, and picked up multiple picks uh, for the, for, for this year and next year. That, that'd be a pretty damn good scenario if they felt like Justin Herbert was a franchise quarterback. And the other part of this that we don't know, I mean, look, everybody's kind of falling in love with Joe Burrow, but this is a guy that was completely not on the radar a couple of months ago. And, you know, is Joe Burrow this like elite quarterback prospect or is he a really or is he a good quarterback prospect that right now has leaped to the number one pick because Tua Tungavailoa got hurt? So how good is Joe Burrow? I, I look, he's having a great year and he's, he's come up big in some games, but is, is he all of a sudden an elite quarterback prospect? I don't know. Um, th- there's a lot that can happen there. Uh, well, there is, there is a lot that can happen there and there's going to be a lot to speculate about. And I think we're going to be able to speculate a little bit more clearly after this week. And we're going to be able to speculate a lot more clearly in about two weeks time. And so that's, exactly what we're going to do. In the meantime, let's shift our focus to the actual football game that we have coming up because we are down to the final six preseason games of the 2020 season. And we'll go ahead and call these the final two regular season games for the 2019 season for now. But this is a big one. This is the big one that is going to have a lot to do with where the Dolphins end up in this 2020 draft order so let's let's start and and dive in what let's 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 take the positive approach to it what do the dolphins need to do to defeat the cincinnati bengals how do the dolphins defeat the bengals they defeat the bengals by somehow figuring out a way to contain joe mixon in spite of the fact that we can't seem to contain any running game uh, but if we can contain Joe Mixon and uh, confuse Andy Dalton, it's it's not a great receiving core for Cincinnati, and Andy Dalton is having a horrific year. It's a bad offensive line there. It's probably the second worst offensive line in the league, to my, only to Miami. And so you, you might be able to put some pressure on him. You might be able to confuse him with some, you know, some, some, you know some dropping guys into coverage, you know, pressure, bringing pressure from certain spots, dropping linemen and linebackers into, into coverage and maybe getting a couple of, 
of interceptions similar to how we did it last week against the Giants. And, you know, winning that turnover battle is always going to go a long way towards winning football games. And then on the other side of the ball, taking advantage of what is a slow Bengals defense, uh, slow at linebacker, not great in the secondary, and trying to, you know, kind of get beat them to the edge, I think, Trying to trying to find ways to run the ball outside because I I don't we're not going to be able to run the ball up the middle on them uh, at all. But maybe you know Albert Wilson running the jet sweep, or maybe you get some misdirection, or or you're able to come up with some matchups where you get Gasicki man to man against a linebacker. Uh, you get Devonte Parker in some man coverage and you can get some big plays down the field with those guys. Uh, if the defense can do enough to keep them in the game, uh, the Dolphins will have opportunities on offense to make some big plays. Uh, but it really comes down to the defense because if, if we can't stop the run, then, and, and we don't force turnovers, then the Bengals are probably going to put up, you know, somewhere in the, in the range of 24 to 30 points on us. And I just don't think we'd be able to keep up with them. Yeah, that's a, that's an awful lot of Jason Sanders field goals in order to beat <laughs> in order to beat the Bengals if that's the case. And of course, when it comes to stopping the run, the Dolphins are having to deal with the fact that Raquan McMillan is now on injured reserve, and so that's not particularly helpful. Not for so, winning. Not not. <laughs> Yeah, it's not helpful when it comes to winning. It it's very helpful when it comes to uh, trying to lose this game. So let's talk about what the Bengals do to defeat the Dolphins. I think, as you said, if is if they can establish Joe Mixon and ride the running game and not have to rely on Andy Dalton to win the game for them, I think that puts the Bengals in a pretty good spot. I mean, that seems to have been the formula for success for most of the Andy Dalton era was is just don't put the game on his shoulders and they'll do okay. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, they had some years there where they had a great offensive line and you had AJ green healthy and in his prime. And that that was the year that Dalton ended up getting hurt where he was looking like he was going to take them deep into the playoffs. And then he, he ended up going out for the rest of the season around like, what was week it like week 13, nine or 10 or 14, something like that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were, they were really good. That's the best Bengals team they've had probably since their Super Bowl teams. But when the Bengals have the ball, they're going to want to run the ball. They run the ball very well off the edge uh, to Joe Mixon. He is their entire offense, really. And the Dolphins are particularly bad stopping the run on the edge. Basically, uh, you know, they like to run that, that front with, with Wilkins and Godshaw. And then you've got, you know, John Jenkins. And then at some, you know, there, and then somebody else is going to be on the edge, whether it's, whether it's Moss, whether it's Taco Charlton, whether it's Charles Harris, whether it's Gerald Willis, whoever it is, is going to be kind of on the end. And that's where teams have attacked the Dolphins all year long is they find that weak link there and they just go after it and losing Raekwon McMillan. He's the one linebacker that has consistently been able to shoot through the gap and play with reckless abandon to go in and fill up the hole and, and, and get run stuffs without him. 
I don't know that the Dolphins have a linebacker that's capable of doing it. Jerome Baker is is not really known for for doing that. He can do it a bit, but he's he's undersized. He's not the kind of guy that that mixes that likes to mix it up like that. He's more of a you know get outside. He's more of a coverage linebacker. Same with Aguavin. Vince Beagle and Andrew Van Ginkle are more you know edge rusher types who can then go back go get back in coverage or cover in the flat. We don't really have a run-stuffing linebacker, so it puts the onus on us to really set the edge, and that's been probably the weakest part of our of our front defensively. And then, you know, obviously our secondary is extremely banged up, uh, but but aside from that, from aside from that, it really the, the ability to set the edge and and keep teams from coming up with big gains through the running game off tackle that's been one of the weakest parts of this Dolphins defense all year long and Joe Mixon and this offense is just starting to come into its own over the last couple of weeks when you look at the what Joe Mixon's done the last couple of weeks rushing for like 130 140 yards uh, he could have a field day in this one. Uh, so uh, as far as what the Bengals need to do offensively, that's what they need to do. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, and they've got a major advantage with their defensive line against the Dolphins' offensive line. The, the Bengals, as bad as they've been, you know, their defense is starting to play better as of late. And they struggled against the Patriots last week. Uh, they played good for a half. But the three games before that, uh, they gave up, what, like, like 38, 39 points over the span of three games, the defense was playing pretty well. And it's still a really good defensive line with Dunlap and, uh, oh geez, uh, Adkins and, and Hubbard. It's just a really good, uh, it's, it's honestly, it's one of the better defensive lines in the league. If the Bengals have one area where they, they're pretty solid, that's where it is. And it just happens to go right up against, what is not just the Dolphins weak link, but is one of the arguably the worst position group in the entire National Football League, which is the Miami Dolphins offensive line. So uh, it's just a major advantage there. And you always talk about, you know, you want to make the opposing team one dimensional, but the Dolphins are already one dimensional because we can't run the football against anybody. And we're not going to be able to run the ball probably against the Bengals. Uh, against that defensive line. We've had some success over the last couple of weeks when we put two, sometimes even three tight ends, and we'll put two tight ends on one side of the formation and we'll we'll kind of run, you know, it's kind of like an off, an off-balance line, an unbalanced line, and you'll run towards the side with the two tight ends because you got extra blockers there and you, you kind of get some numbers there. But, you know, the, even when they've had success, it's been, you know, a play here, a play there. It's not like we've been able to consistently get any kind of running game aside from your, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick scrambling for 10 yards here and there. And that's why Ryan Fitzpatrick is our leading rusher right now. So I don't expect that we'll be able to run the ball in this game. Uh, the, the hope is that you'll, you'll have Ryan Fitzpatrick able to quickly, dissect when the pressure is coming, be able to scramble, get out of the pocket and make some things happen with his legs. And we'll get some one-on-one matchups down the field with Devonte Parker and Mike Kosicki. And we'll be able to, to cash in on a few of them. And if you're able to cash in on a few of them and you're able to uh, force some turnovers on the other side of the ball, maybe get a special teams touchdown or something. 
um, then then you're right where you need to be. But a lot of things have to go right in what is not a particularly good matchup. And the Dolphin for the Dolphins on the defensive side of the ball, the injuries are just just piling up. And I just think we're out of bodies. And so I think that the Bengals are going to be able to move the ball on us. I think they're going to be able to put up some points. And I just don't think we're going to be able to keep up. I think it's going to be similar to what we saw last week in, against the Giants. Yeah, the Dolphins have had approximately 43 different players play in the secondary for them this season. So <laughs> That's it's been incredible. A, They've had almost an entire NFL roster play just in their secondary. Well, I was being a little bit I was being a little bit uh, over the top there. Oh, but, I thought you I thought you had an actual stat there. No, could you imagine? But wait, that's the sad thing is that you actually <laughs> believed that. I mean, it's got to be at least half that. I mean, it's got to be 20. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of guys back there. I I don't know what the actual number is. Maybe that's that'll be a fun research project to to look at for the for the wrap up show that we'll do after the game. We can we can figure out the exact number of guys that have played in the secondary for the Dolphins this season. Maybe it might actually be pretty close to that. We'll I think we'll it's see. probably about half. I think I'm going to say just off the top of my head, I'm going to say 21. Oh, that's a good number. We'll we'll go with that guess and Let's let's do the research and tell me what the number is uh, on Sunday after the game. Wait, you want me I, to do research? Th- this is what we I do. This that, is a I thought, I thought we I thought we just pull numbers out. Of, I mean, you pulled a number out of your ass, so why can't I? Well, listen, I, I'm on ZPAC. Well, so you're pulling more than numbers out your ass. Listen, that's this is getting off the rails here. <laughs> getting getting off the rails here. All right, let's make a prediction. What do you on think this. of Kalen Balaj? Oh, we got it. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Make your prediction. What's the final score? Um, I'm going Bengals 31, Miami 23. Wow. You see the Dolphins high scoring three points. Uh, I think the Bengals are going to win this one by let's call it. Let's give it a wacky score. Bengals are going to win this one. Let's say 25 to 16. It'll be it'll be some wacky stuff there. That's that's my prediction for this one. That's it for now. That's it's the last show that uh, this is the last preview show that I'm doing here in the studio this season because uh, heading this weekend, heading up to Washington for the holidays, going to spend Christmas with the in-laws, and so we'll do the wrap-up show on Sunday. <clears throat> I'll be in Washington for that. And then we'll do the preview for the final game of the season also while I'm in Washington. And then I think the game actually takes place while I'm flying back home. So I'm um, not, not quite sure how that wrap-up show is going to happen yet. Uh, then again, it's also the final one, final game of the season. So there's not a huge rush to get that episode out. So maybe it'll come a couple days later. But we'll figure that out. All in good time. All in good time. We got plenty of time to figure that out. In the the meantime, Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? The people can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am, of course, at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. We're on Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins, where you can give us a like over there. And then we really hope that 
each and every one of you will be feeling in the holiday spirit. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a positive review, some good feedback. It helps people find the show, helps us out tremendously. Um, you can find us, as of course, on Apple Podcasts, but everywhere else that you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere, we're there. And of course, every episode of The Same Old Dolphin Show is available on dolphinstalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins, it's the place to be. So make sure you're visiting, <coughs> excuse me, dolphinstalk.com every single day. It's a good idea. It's a good plan. All right. That's it. We got two more Dolphins games left in the 2019 season, and then the fun really begins. So be excited for that. We will come back for you Sunday after the Dolphins take on the Bengals in the Burrow Bowl. And we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the Dolphins are able to put together or not able to put together, as the case may be. And we will wrap it up for you and figure out the trajectory heading into the final week of the 2019 season as it really, let's be honest, is reaching its merciful end. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest of all teams.